The idea that financial education is needed is not a new thing. It's been there for decades and a long, long time. The, the real question is what kind of financial edu education? From Money Fit by DRS, it's the Money Fit Podcast, the show about financial education opportunities all around us and practical financial tips right in front of us. Todd Christensen, host of The Money Fit Show. On today's episode, I welcome Dr. Luke Erickson from the University of Idaho. A longtime fellow advocate and friend in the financial education arena, Luke shares his experience developing and using virtual games to teach personal finance. Stick around. Luke Erickson is an accredited financial counselor, associate professor of personal finance in the Margaret Ritchie School of Family and Consumer Science at the University of Idaho, and a realtor. Why not? Why not? I've, right. I have known Luke for a number of years, seen him at industry conferences, and following his work in financial education within Idaho and far beyond. He's the co-developer of several financial education games, and I'm just so excited to welcome back to the Money Fit Show, Luke Erickson. Hey, Luke. Hey, Todd. Thanks for having me back. Glad to have you here again. Okay, as you know, and remember from our first uh, first time we had you on, I'm going to ask you a question from our bank of standard questions. You all set? I'm ready. Okay. Outside of family members, who in your life has had the biggest positive impact on your finances? Okay, that's a great question. Um, I did not learn much about finance uh, as a youth or young adult. So the first time I really encountered some sub substantial information on personal finance was um, from a uh, instructor at Utah State where I attended to get my master's degree. Her name was Alina Johnson. Mm, and she had a basic that. personal finance class. Yeah, and I, I learned so much in that class mm -hmm. uh, that it really um, started to change the way that I approached my financial life. Interesting. Did, did, was that before or after you chose your uh, profession? Uh, <laughs> that's a loaded question. I, I'm still <laughs> trying to decide what I'm going to be when I grow up. But, um, but yeah, I uh, decided to get a master's degree in personal finance. Uh, I had gotten a bachelor's degree in economics. Mm -hmm. And but I even even though I finished my bachelor's degree, I still didn't know much about the personal side when it came to finance. So um, so yeah, I was I was pretty old by the time I started uh, to learn the basics. Well, I, I, I knowing Alina, I'm sure that was like uh, trying to drink from a fire hose. She's got <laughs> a lot of great information. Yeah, she had a really um, a terrific teaching style and just a knack for you know, making things simple and digestible. So she, it was great. Awesome. Okay, uh, uh, Luke, I've played a couple of financial games that you've been instrumental in developing, including Night of the Living Dead and Who Wants to Be a Credit Score Millionaire. Brilliant, by the way. Now, uh, I've heard you say that people seem particularly to learn from your living debt game when they get to play it a second time. Could, could you speak to the value of not just The idea that financial education is needed is not a new thing. It's been there for decades and a long, long time. The, the real question is what kind of financial edu education? From Money Fit by DRS, it's the Money Fit Podcast, 
the show about financial education opportunities all around us and practical financial tips right in front of us. Christensen, host of The Money Fit Show. On today's episode, I welcome Dr. Luke Erickson from the University of Idaho. A longtime fellow advocate and friend in the financial education arena, Luke shares his experience developing and using virtual games to teach personal finance. Stick around. Erickson is an accredited financial counselor, associate professor of personal finance in the Margaret Ritchie School of Family and Consumer Science at the University of Idaho, and a realtor. Why not? Why not? I've, right. I have known Luke for a number of years, seen him at industry conferences, and following his work in financial education within Idaho and far beyond. He's the co-developer of several financial education games, and I'm just so excited to welcome back to the Money Fit Show, Luke Erickson. Hey, Luke. Hey, Todd. Thanks for having me back. Glad to have you here again. Okay, as you know, and remember from our first uh, first time we had you on, I'm going to ask you a question from our bank of standard questions. You, you all set? I'm ready. Okay. Outside of family members, who in your life has had the biggest positive impact on your finances? Okay, that's a great question. Um, I did not learn much about finance uh, as a youth or young adult. So the first time I really encountered some substantial information on personal finance was um, from a uh, instructor at Utah State where I attended to get my master's degree. Her name was Alina Johnson. Mm, She taught a basic personal finance class. Yeah, and I I learned so much in that class Mm -hmm. uh, that it really um, started to change the way that I approached my financial life. Interesting. Did, did was that before or after you chose your uh, profession? Uh, <laughs> that's a loaded question. I, I'm still <laughs> trying to decide what I'm going to be when I grow up. But um, but yeah, I uh, decided to get a master's degree in personal finance. Uh, I had gotten a bachelor's degree in economics, mm-hmm. and but I even even though I finished my bachelor's degree, I still didn't know much about the personal side when it came to finance. So. Um, so yeah, I was, I was pretty old by the time I started to learn the basics. Well, I, I, knowing Alina, I'm sure that was like, uh, trying to drink from a fire hose. She's got a <laughs> lot of great information. Yeah. She had a really, um, uh, terrific teaching style and just a knack for you know, making things simple and digestible. So she, it was great. Awesome. Okay. Uh, uh, Luke, I've played a couple of financial games that you've been instrumental in developing, including, Night of the Living Dead and Who Wants to Be a Credit Score Millionaire. Brilliant, by the way. Now, uh, I've heard you say that people seem particularly to learn from your living debt game when they get to play it a second time. Could could you speak to the value of not just playing a financial game, but maybe trying it more than just once? Yeah, well, to put it simply, practice makes perfect. Um, in real life, we often don't get a chance for do-overs with our financial decisions. Mm-hmm. Uh, that's one thing the game does provide, right? Um, so in this particular game, Night of, Night of the Living Debt, uh, you know, you're walking around this fictional you know, world where zombies have taken over the financial system. You have to make some financial decisions in that game, and there are consequences to those financial decisions. Um, you know, the first time you play, you'll learn that your credit score will drop if you miss a payment or if mm-hmm. you... Uh, take out a subprime loan, uh, payday loan. Um, 
But the second time you play, you already know that because you've learned from the consequences. So the second time you play, you'll probably end up doing a lot better. And that's a nice thing about the game where you can learn in a safe, learn and fail in a safe context, as opposed to uh, learning those same lessons in real life where they can really cost you a lot of money. Hmm. And that, that was actually my second question is how, why is it that we learn differently through games than from a book or a, a lecture or real life, as you say? Yeah, well, that's an excellent question um, and, and one that kind of drove us to this learning approach. Um, there are a lot of different games and game styles, but my favorite is this consequential learning uh, style. So where you're sort of placed in a fictional environment where it's different from real life, but close enough that there are um, obvious parallels. You make financial decisions and then learn from the consequences. I, I think that is a much different learning approach than you know sitting in a classroom and listening to somebody lecture mm -hmm. uh, about credit scores, for example, which is what we teach about in Night of the Living Dead. To actually be able to take some knowledge and information and put it into action, mm -hmm. and, and to see what you know sort of dominoes fall when you make certain decisions, that can be really really impactful and can stick with you a lot longer. Mm -hmm. in, in a lot of cases than just being told, hey, if you do such and such, your credit score will go down. <laughs> it's like, okay. Oh, okay. With that, you're leading right from one question to, uh, to another now. Okay. I, I, I've been a financial educator for almost 20 years. I don't know how that, that's happened, but <laughs> it, can be, it can be hard for me, hard, hard on me to see the studies that show that lecturing and presenting on financial topics will have only a minimal long-term effect on learners. So how, how can, or perhaps why does financial gaming have those longer lasting influences? Yeah, that's an excellent question. I've seen a lot of those studies too, and they're discouraging to anyone who's a financial educator because mm -hmm. we want our classes to be meaningful and long lasting and impactful. And, and the truth is, yes, um, just talking about something sometimes is not enough. I, I do believe pretty strongly um, that experience is you know one of the best teachers when it comes to finance mm -hmm. and and so that's what we're trying to do with the games is, is allow um, learners to gain some of these experiences but in safe environments mm -hmm. where you know where failing has a consequence you lose the game and and you may even um you know your friends or neighbors who are next to you see, seeing you play the game and failing you know maybe a little bit of pressure for you to to do a little bit better the next time but even more so that idea that, that you learn um, the actual consequences of these things. And then that way, when you're faced with a similar situation in your, in your real life later on, you can, you can easily think back, oh, I remember the right answer here and I remember the wrong answer here. <laughs> Let's go ahead and do the right one and save myself some money. Right, when you're, when you're, so when you're faced with uh, low risk or no risk during an activity versus in real life, yeah. Right. There's a real, real consequence. Yes. And, and uh, I'll, I'll just add to what I said, you know, there, there's still some research being done on how effective it is to uh, the, these types of learning situations. So we don't know for certain that they are, you know, above and beyond other types of learning, but um, that is what we're beginning to see in some of the research. And of course, that's what I, what I personally believe is the Good. case. Good, because I, I'm concerned, you know, if, if we start learning that, well, uh, lecturing is only has minimal impact. I mean, it might change somebody's one person's view that day or something, 
But if we learn that lecturing isn't working and activities maybe maybe aren't working and courses, some courses are, work more than others, but you know, we don't want to we don't want to accept the idea that well if you're just born that way. I mean, I, that right. would be frightening. Right, right. <laughs> and um, I think that there is a little bit of truth to that way. I think some people are genetically predisposed to just um, uh, like financial concepts will sink in for them a little bit easier. But I also do believe that anybody can be financially successful. And um, I do think that there are a variety of ways that people learn. So I don't necessarily think that everyone should learn from video games or that no one could possibly learn from a lecture. I do think that there are many cases where you know, effective information is passed from lecturer to learner through um, just talking about things. But I also think that, um, you know, historically, the, the idea that financial education is needed is not a new thing. It's been there for decades and, and a long, long time. The, the real question is what kind of financial edu education? I think some people are, are, are a little bit too uh, accepting of the idea that it doesn't matter what kind you just throw some financial education at some kids and then, then they'll learn and then they'll be better prepared for real life. But you really have to put some thought into the quality of the education programming and the approach, um, you know, the, the pedagogy behind it. And, um, uh, you know, of, of course the, uh, the different learning styles of the audiences that you might be working with. So I, I do believe that there are a variety of effective ways to teach personal finance, but I just don't think, in general, um, we as educators or in the industry in general have spent enough time answering that question of quality. Mm -hmm. You know, how do we address this idea of quality financial education, not just the quantity of, of financial education we're throwing out there in front of kids? That's a good point. Well, uh, uh, looking at it from a traditionalist point of view, whatever that means, but um, what do you make of somebody who might say, well, financial games, trying to teach really important topics through games might just trivialize the importance of those lessons. Sure. And I, I do think, as I mentioned before, I don't think games are a panacea. I don't think it's the answer for everything. Mm -hmm. I do think it's another avenue for, um, you know, adjusting that quality that we have uh, of the programs upward. But I, I will be the first to say, it, it's ironic because I don't even really like to play video games in my own personal time. <laughs> which I think is pretty ironic. Is. I do think that there are powerful opportunities for education through games and not only games, but like just digital experiences, right? Mm -hmm. uh, but, but that being said, I also have concerns with the idea that, that youth and adults already have an abundant amount of screen time, which, which only increased during you know, the pandemic over the last year. Right. And so I think that like everything else, there's got to be a balance in there somewhere. Um, you know, I think face-to-face -face interaction with, with classmates and teachers and instructors is very important. I also think traditional field trips can be very meaningful. Mm -hmm. um, you know, uh, you know, go, go visit, uh, you know, a local bank or, or something like that, or other ways that you can learn about finances through a field trip. I think that there's definitely still a place for that. The one thing that digital games and edu uh, educational experiences do, though, is they make that a lot easier because it's very scalable. Um, mm -hmm. You can take, you know, a digital program and put it on any computer, and, and any instructor can teach that in any classroom in any part of the country or the world. Uh, whereas, you know, a, a visit to the Federal Reserve might be 
fun and impactful to some kids, but it's also very expensive and time consuming <laughs> and, uh, and, and other things like that. Yeah. So like, like any other type of education, I think, you know, games and um, digital experiences have their place and can be a, a very powerful piece to the puzzle of how do we actually prepare kids for uh, a strong, successful financial life. I appreciate that uh, that response, and yeah, we have we have an online interactive budgeting activity that we put together. And just this morning, you, you say from around the world. Just this morning, we had uh, about two hundred students from South Africa <laughs> to, uh, complete that uh, that course. So that is very cool. yeah, it, it is really cool. Uh, Luke, we're at the time of the uh, the episode where I get to ask you for one practical step or piece of advice that you would recommend to our listeners on today's topic? Well, I am loaded with bits of advice, but I would say the best thing that uh, individuals can do, both adults and children, is just start to or learn to invest regularly in your own financial education. Uh, it is, it's one thing uh, to invest in your career and your vocation and how you're earning money, but also invest a little bit of you know time and reading and classes and that sort of thing on how you're handling and spending your money, and that I think you know doing both in a balanced approach uh, can really help uh, you know you and your household find you know happiness through the uh, money that you do earn. Excellent, thank you. Now, where can our uh, listeners find you or connect with you or perhaps find find the games we've been talking about today? Yeah, perfect. You can find the games uh, if you Google Northwest Youth Financial Education. Um, we have got a library of 10 games with more that we hope to post over the next year or two. And um, you can just learn more a little bit about me and other things that I do if you Google Luke Erickson, uh, followed by Idaho or University of Idaho. Either one will work. So far, you're the only Luke I, uh, Erickson coming up in Idaho, huh? <laughs> so far. <laughs> there may be others. Who knows? Well, uh, Luke, thank you for joining me today as our guest. I've really appreciated your insight. Uh, we appreciate you. We appreciate our listeners. Thank you for joining us today. Please check us out at our podcast archives at moneyfit.org slash podcast. And until next time, please stay money fit and stay well.